Welcome to the Greystone Church Podcast. We are grateful that you're here. We pray that you will be blessed by this message and that God will impact your hearts. Let's listen. Y'all like, y'all like my new walk-up music? That's my, that's my new walk-up music. Uh, welcome to Greystone Church. My name's Jonathan. I'm one of our pastors. I'd like to welcome our Walton campus, our Coney campus, everybody who's watching online. Uh, as you just saw from the video, we had our Greystone students uh, weekend. It was a phenomenal weekend. Over 230 middle school and high school students uh, were here for GS weekend. We had the 11th grade girls staying at our house. They're still at our house. And uh, all the students are going to be here at all of our campuses for the late service today. So that's going to be a really special uh, service. Uh, Spencer came by our house last night about 11 o'clock uh, p.m. to see the girls. He was making the rounds last night. I heard he was at some people's house at 2 a.m. Uh, but he gave me a report last night, exciting stuff. We had, uh, as of last night at 11 p.m., we had seven students commit their lives to Christ. 30 students are wanting to get baptized. And uh, this is really exciting. 42 students have surrendered to full-time ministry. And so we are praying for revival. We're praying for an awakening. We're praying for a great move of God. And many times revivals begin with the young people. They begin in student ministry, and so super proud of all of our, our student pastors, our volunteers, our host homes, everybody who was involved in, uh, in GS Weekend. So uh, how's everybody doing? Y'all doing good? All right, so we're continuing this series, Advance, and we're studying through the book of Acts, and instead of me reading the entire chapter, Acts chapter 10, I'm just going to summarize it for you. We're going to read it in our daily Bible reading plan uh, this week, so you guys will get to read it then, but I'm going to summarize it. Acts chapter 10, you have Cornelius. He's this Roman soldier. He's head of the Italian regiment. He is a God-fearing man. He prays and he gives to the poor. And he's praying one afternoon and he, and he has this vision. And this angel comes to him and it frightens him. And he's like, what do you want, sir? And he says that God has heard your prayers. God has received your gifts to the poor as an offering. And God has a message for you. There's a man named Simon Peter in Joppa who's staying with, with uh, Simon the Tanner. I want you to send for him, bring Simon Peter back to you, and he has a message for you from me. So at the same time, Simon Peter, he's in Joppa, he's staying at Simon the Tanner's house, and it's right before lunch or dinner time, and he's getting a little bit hungry, but he goes up on the roof to pray. And as he's praying, he falls into a trance, and he sees a vision, a vision from heaven, and, and it, it's a sheet being let down from heaven with all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles on this sheet. And a voice from heaven says, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I've I followed the Hebrew dietary laws all of my life. There's no way I can, can eat this food and the voice from heaven says, what I have made is pure, what I have made as unclean, as clean, don't make it unclean. And then he repeats the vision three times. So, so God gives him the same vision three times. And so when God speaks to us three times, that's confirmation. Like if, if God speaks to us one time, we're not sure if it's really God, right? 
Like, is that God or is that me or is that my indigestion? You know, what, what, is, what is going on here? Once, twice, three times a You were ready for that, weren't you? I've been bringing out these old songs. But if God tells you something three times, you know it's from him. But Peter can't figure out what the message is. He's, he's trying to, what does this mean? What is, what is the meaning of this, of this vision? Well, about that time, the men arrived from Cornelius. He had sent three men down to Joppa to bring Peter back. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter, there's three men who've just arrived at the door for you. You're to go with them. Don't be afraid. I've sent them to you. And so Peter goes down. He says, I'm, I'm the man you're looking for. He invites them to spend the night to eat. And they wake up the next day and they, they go to Caesarea on the sea, which we've been to Caesarea on the sea. And he gets to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius has gathered all of his family and his closest friends to hear this message that Peter has to deliver. And of course, Peter delivers the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And as he's sharing with these Gentiles about the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they put their faith in Jesus. And then Peter says, why shouldn't they be baptized? And Cornelius and his family and all of his friends are baptized on the spot. Well, news gets back to Jerusalem, gets back to Judea and the apostles, and they're criticizing Peter for going into the house of a Gentile and baptizing these Gentiles. So then Peter defends himself. He shares with them the vision that Cornelius had had. He shares with them the vision that, that he had and how the Holy Spirit had come and then how they had been baptized and this, this great uh, move of God. Because the, Gen the Jews growing up, they were not supposed to go into non-Jews' houses. They were not to associate with non-Jews. They were not supposed to associate with the uncircumcised. Because the non-Jews and the uncircumcised were viewed as unclean. And so, but after Peter explains all of this uh, to the leaders and every, everybody uh, back in Jerusalem, they have one of these aha moments, these spiritual aha moments. You, you ever have a spiritual aha moment? Like God just is speaking to you and you know it's a, a word from him or maybe you hear a message or, or you're hearing the word of God. It's like, oh, this is, this is one of these special revelation aha moments. And the aha moment that they have is that Jesus came for everyone. Jesus came to usher in the new covenant. Now, now let, me, let me try to explain this to everybody. Under the old covenant, the old testament, the people of God were the Israelites. And they followed the Mosaic law. All the rules and regulations of the law. And the sign and seal of the covenant in the old testament was circumcision. So everyone who was an Israelite, everyone who was a person of God uh, was circumcised. And they followed the law of Moses. They followed all the rules and all the regulations. They had a certain diet that they had to stick to, and that's what, that's what Peter was trying to stick to. Well, when Jesus shows up, he ushers in the new covenant. 
And the new covenant is not based upon following the law, but it's based upon following Jesus. And the new covenant is open to anyone and everyone. And the people of God are not just the Israelites, but the people of God are the church. It's those people who've put their faith in Jesus. And the sign and seal of the covenant in the new covenant is baptism. People are baptized into the church. Baptism is the sign that someone has put their faith in Jesus. And so under the new covenant, you didn't have to be an Israelite. You could be a, a Gentile. And so in Acts chapter 10, when the Holy Spirit comes on the Gentiles, this is known as the Gentile Pentecost. And just how in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit had come on the Jews, now we have the Holy Spirit coming on the Gentiles. And so the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is open to anyone and everyone. It doesn't matter what nation you're from, what language you speak, what race you are. The good news of Jesus Christ is open to anyone and everyone. Romans 1.16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. I shared last week that no one is beyond the saving power of Jesus. No one has done enough bad stuff that Jesus can't save you. If Jesus can save Saul of Tarsus, he can save you. He can save me. And I kind of went around the room last week and was call, calling out certain names. Like if Jesus can save this person, he can save anyone. And I want to double down on that today. But I want us to look at it from, from a little bit different angle. Not only can Jesus save everyone, but Jesus can forgive everyone. Anyone who puts his or her faith in Jesus can be forgiven. Now, here's the key verse in Acts chapter 10, verse 43. It says, he, Jesus, is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. I want to talk today about God's forgiveness, the beauty of God's forgiveness. Under the Old Testament, there had to be a shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. It says in, in Hebrews 9.22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so in the Old Testament, when you sinned or someone sinned or a family member sinned, you had to take an animal without defect, pure and, and blameless animal, and sacrifice it on the altar, shed the blood of the animal to cover your sins. Well, Jesus Christ comes on the scene, and John the Baptist says in, in John 1, 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ came and he died on the altar, he died on the cross, the shedding of his blood, it says in, in, in 1 Peter 3, 18, for Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit. Jesus shed his blood for us. He died in our place. It was a, a once for all sacrifice. And so Christianity is not a works-based salvation. 
We don't have to work our way to heaven. It's not about us following the law and following this list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is done. It's already been done. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He paid the penalty for us. Right before Jesus breathes his last breath, he says, it is finished. It is, it is over. It is done. For Christ has died for sins once and for all. And so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, yes, we're saved. Yes, we have salvation in heaven, but we also have the forgiveness of sins. I hope you guys are excited about the forgiveness of sins. It says in Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's through the blood of Jesus that we have the forgiveness of of sins. It's through believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. If you're taking notes, point number one is everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs forgiveness. We all have a past, unless you were born yesterday. And if you were born yesterday, happy birthday. But for the rest of us, we have a past, and nobody is perfect. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things and said things that we wish we had not said or done. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That word, that word sin means missing the mark. Like in archery terms, if you're, if you're shooting for the bullseye, we've all missed the bullseye. Some of you have missed the bullseye by very little. Some of us have missed the bullseye by a lot. But, but we've all sinned, right? We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. I want you to think about your life. Look back over your life. What are some things that have happened in your life that you wish you could do over? You wish you could have a mulligan, right? Like, like you wish you hadn't made this decision or, or you, you wish you hadn't said this or done that. You've sinned. You've made mistakes. We've all, we've all made mistakes. God can forgive you of whatever mistake you've made. I like what Pastor Rick Warren of Saddleback Church says. He says, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past, every one of us, and every sinner has a future. Forgiveness is available for everyone. It is available for everyone, Jews and Gentiles alike. Acts 10, 43 says, everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Doesn't matter how many times you sin, it doesn't matter how great your sin is. We all have the opportunity to be forgiven. Now, in the book of Psalms, now Psalms, what are there, 100, 150 Psalms. These are prayers, these are songs uh, to God. And in the Psalms, King David confesses his sins to God. And he shares how much God's forgiveness means to him. Now I want you to remember King David, if you don't know, he's a man after God's own heart, but he's also a man who sinned greatly. King David committed adultery. King David committed murder. And if God can forgive David, he can forgive us. Okay, so I'm looking at Psalm 32. And Psalm 32 is one of seven psalms that the early church used as penitents, psalms of 
penitence. It's one of seven. We're also gonna look at Psalm 51, which is also one of the Psalms that they used. And we're gonna learn from this. Psalm 32, verse one says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. I want want to talk about several things that the Lord's forgiveness does for us. The Lord's forgiveness restores our broken fellowship. So when we sin and we all sin, we sin, we sin every day. We make mistakes. And when we sin, our relationship with God doesn't change. He's still our heavenly father. We're still his children. Like there's nothing that can take us out of that relationship with him. But when we sin, we break fellowship with him. We don't have as close a friendship with God when we, when we have sin uh, in our lives. Uh, let, let me illustrate with this. Uh, when I was growing up, and, and still do, I have a little brother. He's 18 months younger than me. And we were really close growing up. Uh, when we were, we were in uh, elementary school. We lived in the same bedroom. We had bunk beds. He slept on the top bunk. I slept on the, on the bottom bunk. And we were super close. But like any brothers, we got in fights. And my brother, even though he was younger than me, he was bigger than me, okay? Like, I was taller than him, but he was bigger than me. In fact, he's still bigger than me. Like, he, he's in a different weight, fighting weight class than I'm in. But we would get in these knock-down, dra- knock drag-out fist fights. Like, black eyes and bloody lips. I mean, we, like, we would really fight. And so even though we would get in these fights our relationship didn't change. He's still my little brother. I'm still his big brother. But we had broken fellowship. And it wasn't until one of us would would say, I'm sorry, that we would restore the broken fellowship. And that's what happens with God's forgiveness. When we say we're sorry, when we confess our sins, when we come clean with God, we restore that broken fellowship with him. The second thing is the Lord's forgiveness clears us of guilt. The Lord's forgiveness clears us of guilt. Guilt is heavy. It weighs us down. And Satan, our enemy, uses guilt to keep us from living our lives for Jesus, to keep us from living the abundant life. Satan uses guilt to keep us from serving God. Like, who are you to serve God? Satan lies to us and he puts this heavy weight of guilt on us to keep us from living our lives how God wants us to live our lives. But when you understand God's forgiveness and that he clears us of all guilt, it's a a very freeing experience. I remember the, the night that I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I was 17 years old. I was 
on the summer camp, like our kids are going on summer camp this summer. And I literally cried for two hours because I was so overwhelmed that, 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 that God would forgive me of all of my sins and clear me of all the guilt that I had in my life. And he wipes the record clean. Like the record is gone, the slate has been wiped clean. Isaiah 1.18 says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. He takes our sins and washes them as white as snow. The Lord's forgiveness renews our joy. It renews our joy. Look at our key verse there in Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. And then we flip over to Psalm 51. I probably prayed Psalm 51 every day throughout my college career, okay? It's a psalm of forgiveness. It was a psalm written by King David after his adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion and it haunts me day and night. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. And I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right when you say, in what you say, your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. Teach me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice. Do not keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. When we experience God's forgiveness, he wipes the slate clean. He creates in us a new heart. The old life of sin is gone, and now we're living this new life in Christ, and he renews our joy. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Maybe some of you need your joy back. You need God to restore the joy of your salvation. Forgiveness of God is so refreshing. It is so refreshing. Acts 3.19 says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. It feels so good to receive God's forgiveness. It feels so good to come clean with God. So many people are in denial. I love the, the Celebrate Recovery shirt that I have. It says straight out of denial. Like so many people are in denial. We need to, we need to come clean. It's so refreshing to confess our sins to God and come clean. I want you guys to think about when, when you were a child. Did you ever do something when you were a child like you knew you weren't supposed to do it? and you were probably gonna get in trouble, and you were afraid that you were gonna get caught, and the fear and the anxiety and the worry of getting caught was almost worse than actually getting caught in whatever it is that you did. 
So, so I'm telling you a lot of childhood stories today, but so my dad, he used to keep this candy stash uh, in his closet, in his bedroom. And I think all dads keep a candy stash. I don't know, I, I have a candy stash. And I, I have candy stash, like, like in our living room behind the nativity scene on the shelf, I have candy like hidden behind that, don't I? And in my bedroom, uh, in my closet, in my sock drawer, I have a stash of candy. Down in the basement, in my office, in my desk drawer, I have, I have like I have candy stashed all over the house. Do y'all have candy stashed? Y'all might have something else stashed all over the house. I, I don't know. But I got, I've got candy. Like Chewy Sweet Tarts is my dime bag, right? And you stash it and you hide it so the kids can't get it. You don't want the kids getting into your candy. Well, my dad had this stash in his, in his closet. And I remember one day I, I snuck in there and I knew he had the stash. And just like my kids know I have a stash. And I got into, uh, I think he had some, uh, some Tootsie Pops. And I ate all the red Tootsie Pops because those are the best Tootsie Pops. And I felt so guilty about it as this little kid because I knew I wasn't supposed to steal my dad's Tootsie Pops, but I couldn't help myself. And the fear and worry that he was gonna find out and that he was gonna, you know, he was gonna punish me for taking his Tootsie Pops. And finally, I, I got to where I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to come clean. I'm the one who took the Tootsie Pops. <laughs> and of course, my dad already knew that I was the one who took the Tootsie Pops, right? I mean, the evidence was there. But it felt so good to come clean. And I think maybe he shared the Tootsie Pops with me, right? So we come clean with God. God already knows. It's so funny because we think we can hide stuff from God. And as King David was saying in Psalm 32, he wasn't coming clean with his sin. And so they said the discipline of the Lord was heavy upon him. The conviction of the Lord. So that's how you know you're a true Christian. You have the Holy Spirit that is convicting you. See, see, it's good to have conviction. That's a good thing. But it feels so good to come clean with God. And he already knows it anyway, doesn't he? We can't, we can't hide it from God. It's so refreshing to come clean. The Lord's forgiveness frees us from judgment and condemnation. Micah 7, 19, I love the picture of this. Once again, you'll have compassion on us. You'll trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. It's this picture that God takes all of our sins, all the mistakes we've made, and he's standing on the bow of a ship and he takes all of our sins and throws them into the depths of the sea to be lost forever. Imagine yourself being, being on a cruise ship. The Sextons are cruisers, they, lo they love to cruise. And you're standing on this cruise ship and you take your cell phone, which wouldn't it be great to take your cell phone and to throw it out into the depths of the sea? to be lost forever. Because believe me, 
If, if this thing trickles down thousands and thousands and thousands of feet to the bottom of the seashore where the, you know, the sea monsters and all, the, all this stuff is that we don't even know about exists down there, you're not getting this back. And it's the same thing with our sins. God takes all of our sins, throws them into the depths of the sea to be lost forever. Like they're gone. They're history. You can't pull them out of the sea. Your friends can't pull them out of the sea. God has chosen to remember them no more. You can't be punished by them. You cannot be judged by them. It says in Romans 8, 1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins have been forgiven. They've been lost at sea. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no punishment. There's no guilt. They're lost forever. And the forgiveness of God brings us peace and justification. Peace and justification. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. We have a clear conscience. We've been made right with God. We can live in peace. We can rest easy. We don't have to keep looking over our shoulder thinking that, that our sins were going to be found out. We've been made right with God. We've been justified. Now, that word justified is a big, you know, churchy word, but it means just as if we had not sinned. Justified. Just as if you had not sinned. Justification means it's like your sins never happened. It's as if your sins never happened. You've been made right with God. Are y'all with me today? I'm giving y'all some good news. This is good news. You are forgiven. You are free. There's no condemnation. There's no judgment. There's no guilt. You've been made right with God. You have peace with God. I mean, this is good news. This is the gospel. And how is this possible? Is it because we're good people? It's because of the blood of the lamb. It's because Jesus Christ died on the cross once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Like he died in our place. He paid the penalty for us. Think of 1 John, 7, 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light... As he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, like, like we're in denial, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So how do we experience God's forgiveness? Number one is confession. It says it right there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Coming out of denial, being honest with God, confessing our sins. See, at first, King David didn't want to confess his sins. Look at, look at uh, Psalm 32, verse, verse 3 through 5. He says, when I refuse to confess my sins, 
my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. I don't know if you've ever had the discipline of the Lord on you because you have sin in your life and you're unwilling to confess that sin. My strength evaporated like water in the summer. It's almost like you're, you're, you get physically sick because of unconfessed sin. And David says, finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord. And he says, and you forgave me and my guilt is gone. Oh, to have that guilt gone. We confess our sins and we repent of our sins. The second thing is repentance. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See, true confession is not just feeling bad about your sins. Oh, I feel bad that I did this. But true confession is to repent of those sins, to turn from those sins, to do an about face. Doesn't mean we're perfect. But it means instead of going toward our sin, we turn from our sins and we go toward a new life in Christ. And sometimes we stumble and fall and we get tripped up, but we're, we're heading towards the new life in Christ. And when we confess our sins, we keep that relationship with God clean. We have restored fellowship with him, intimate relationship with him. He hears our prayers. We're, 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 we're in tune with God because we're, we're walking in the spirit. We're walking in faith. I wanna encourage all of us today to confess our sins. Today would be a good day to celebrate the Lord's Supper, to remember Christ's death on the cross for us. And if you've never received forgiveness, I wanna give you the chance today to receive salvation in Christ, to receive forgiveness through putting your faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. So let's pray together. If you have a heavy heart, if you have guilt in your life, if you have unconfessed sin, if you, if you know you don't have the relationship with God that, that you wanna have, I wanna give you the chance right now just to confess your sins. And you can just pray in your heart, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying the penalty of death for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me as white as snow. I claim your forgiveness. If I confess my sins, you are faithful and just and will cleanse me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. God, we're so grateful for your forgiveness, that we have peace with you, 
justification. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I pray today would be a time, God, for us to restore any broken fellowship that we may have with you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more of these messages or info on Greystone Church, feel free to visit our website, greystonechurch.com. We pray that you will have an amazing day.